Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone. I'm, well, it's obvious. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in the 80s in Sydney. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties, forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. This season, we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to the family, from the Morehouse murders to haunted highways, this season of Loose Units is your go-to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Last episode, Dad and I talked about the disappearance of Samantha Murphy, and obviously this story has everybody in Australia genuinely, genuinely worried. And the story continues to unfold. In fact, uh, this is from an article on February the 16th, Dad. Two family members of missing Ballarat mum Samantha Murphy have now said they believe she has met with foul play. Now, it's been 12 days as of now that she went missing, and this article talks about the fact that her phone hasn't made any pings with any mobile towers since she went missing. And they're saying that she would never turn the phone off, uh, which is obviously it's adding to the concern about this case. Does that seem like a pretty terrible piece of news to be revealed? The fact that the phone hasn't pinged any any towers? Although I guess she was running in the bush, Mm. technically, right? I mean, she may have lost a phone. Um, And then look, no phone on earth... um, is probably going to still have battery power mm. after two weeks. Right. You know, they just... Because things are happening, as we all know, on mobile phones Yeah, that we basically have no control over. That's true. Even in cases as far back as the 2000s, experts can sit there and obviously it's... It's not like with a polygraph where it's sort of wobbly evidence. I mean, it, it was. I think it's getting more precise. Mm. But the idea is that when your phone is on it looks for the nearest tower so that it can start relaying information exactly and what what they're saying is that samantha murphy's phone uh hasn't actually grabbed to use a stupid term it hasn't actually reached out and connected with any nearby towers now i don't have a map of the towers in the area but that seems like maybe that's what would happen if your phone was destroyed in a Mm. struggle or yes yeah i guess um one also has to be um sort of brutally honest with oneself in these situations as the family and police uh, are as every day ticks over yeah that is that um every day is a bad day where nothing nothing's reported and it's it's just it's lacking 
in terms of the uh, the media cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it you know you really have to dig deep. It's not coming up um, because I've, I have been following this since it started because I had a bit of a bad feeling about it. Right. And you know the media moves on. There's only a finite amount of space, and there's a you know people scroll and they look for stuff and. Um, it's. It, I mean, it must be really terrible to be one of the family members, obviously, because they're all sitting there, and now the family are saying that they're saying that they think something's happened. Um, mm. Tragedy. So, Paul, yeah. you know, um, we are looking at um, coming up with a new season yes. fairly soon, mm. and we've sort of been discussing in some depth the uh, the parameters to which we are going to. Uh, the premise forward. The premise, because yeah, obviously uh, every season of Loose Units has a different theme's the wrong word, but yes. it does have a different. You know, it does cover different stuff. Correct. Now, yeah, part of well, what we're trying to do. Sorry, you go on. No, it's just that I was. I've, I've really just because of this case, Paul, and a couple of others that have come to mind. Mm-hmm. I am considering, and I'm just saying this openly and to the listeners. Uh, this hasn't been discussed with Paul or myself. Um, we've been discussing other, other uh, sort of avenues, but. Mm. The whole concept of cold case I find enthralling. It's a massive, massive topic. In fact, today we're going to discuss two cold cases that happened within 30 minutes of each other in your city. Yes. 40 years ago. And they do have shared DNA with this Samantha Murphy case. So obviously women go missing all the time. The majority of violent crimes happen against women this is a it, it's just it's a historical fact this is terrible uh, mm. suspicious disappearances are things that happen uh, but dad yeah the reason dad I think it's fair to say that the Samantha Murphy case triggered uh, your interest in these ones is that correct correct so the case there are, we're going to discuss and I don't know whether we've ever done this before mm. in the history of Lucianus, but we're actually going to discuss two separate cases. Yes. That occurred 40 years ago in 1984. Mm-hmm. Paul, what year were you born? Dad? Listeners and I share a, um, a collective eye roll as, once again, you display an unawareness of... Uh, it's not that I'm unaware. <laughs> okay, I'm well, aware that you are a living, sentient being. Yes, but when was I born? <laughs> well, in the 80s. <laughs> Paul, that's a fact. Yeah. Wait, Dad, what's my birthday? Well... Okay, okay. 80, I'll, ma- I'll make it easy for you. If you can give me the year and the month, I'll, I'll be happy. 82? Holy shit, listeners. This is catastrophic. 81. Dad, my birthday... First of all, my birthday was very recent. God. Dad, come Paul, on. Yeah, this is a public shaming. I know, it should be. Um, uh, okay, okay. He, look, the reason... Okay, I, my, I know your birthday is in February 1960. Correct. Uh, I think it's the... Is it the 22nd? The 8th, okay. Uh, but if you take... Yeah, but if you take... Uh, okay, yes. But I knew the month and I knew the year. Yeah? And um, I didn't witness your birth, so which is something that would emboss... The memory of it. Anyway, look, I was born in 1983 in January. Fi- I was going to say, I was going to say 83. But you didn't, uh, did you? No, but, but you I was. <laughs> but okay, so you you were one when this, uh, uh, yeah. th- these two terrible cases. The first case we're going to discuss is about Nanette Ellis. 
Yeah, um, she's from a suburb of Baronia called Baronia, which is right. uh, in Melbourne. It's uh, now, Dad. I grew up in Sydney. Um, I'm sure you remember that. I grew up in Sydney on the northern beaches, and uh, I only moved to Melbourne when I was 24. But I've been here for quite a while, having turned 41 recently, and so I'm now peripherally familiar with some of the suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, I've been to Baronia, so it's. It is interesting now that I'm kind of this familiar with with that area. Mm. Uh, but she went missing February the... No, no, she didn't go missing. No. Okay. But this happened on February the 10th in 1984, right? Correct. Now, that's summer. And I think... I mean, it's funny how you go through cases. I I seem to spend my life reading and researching yeah. about shitty things. But what it does to me... Mm. It has a reverse effect. In what, in what in way? In that it makes me feel fucking happy to be alive. You know, I, I see things with clarity. I look out and see... I mean, it's very, very cliched, but, mm. you know, I, I've always prided myself on not... Um, or just the ability to, to not take anything for granted. Yeah. So if I see um, green trees... I see beautiful sky clouds. I see rain. I see puddles. I always try and extract some really nice stuff about it. Um, it, it helps me yeah. cope with lots of things. And I think that the gift of life is so so beautiful that we shouldn't um, take it for granted. I'm, I'm speaking in cliches clearly. But, you know, that's the thing about poetry and movies about love and philosophy, trying to answer the really big issues in one's life, it, it all boils down to something fairly basic. Yeah. And that is that it's really, and hopefully it is for, for most people, it's a great blessing to be alive. And these women, um, and in one case, in the case we'll talk about uh, shortly, uh, a mother and daughter. But, you know, these are cases where, firstly, this case with Nanette, has I mean, this is 40 years the family have suffered. I'm not going to say the family suffer every single day. Yeah. But the police, the Victorian police, are in the process of doubling some of the rewards for these cases up to $1 million. So the last I saw, they were offering 500000 doubling it. So why, why the sudden jump? Why the sudden renewed interest? Not mm-hmm. By the way, not, not that there shouldn't be, not that this isn't worthy of paying that amount well, of money. I'm just yeah. curious. That's yeah. a good question, Paul. But look, 40 years yes. is clearly it's a long time. Mm. Um, in some families, that can be two generations. So the problem with these unsolved cold cases that go back so far is that one reaches a point in time where we may be able to discover the perpetrator through DNA, yeah. but you can't bring the offender to justice in the case of very, very old cold cases, simply because the perpetrator has passed away. And in terms of, it's all very well for the family to know mm. that person A or persons A, B, C committed this terrible crime but one also wants to be able to um, at least you know have some type of justice and maybe even get to to see the person and try and figure out what 
what happened and you know what has happened to their lives in the interim so yeah. 40 years is a long time considering that the offender slash offenders would have been let's hypothesize um around about for example you know 20 years of age i think it's a good sort of starting point mm-hmm. they could have been 30 they could have been 40 so if they were 40 they're now 80 if they're 50 yeah. not 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 implausible they're, they're, they're in the 90s. We've talked about this before, Dad. Sometimes all people want is closure. They don't necessarily need the cold hand of justice to enclose itself around a very old person and put them in prison, although sometimes that is what they're after. It's just that after 40 years of not knowing what the fuck happened and who did that thing to your mother, mm. daughter, sister, whatever, mm. having a sense of... Because it's a story, right? And mm-hmm. if a story isn't finished, it drives you crazy. And it's and in this case, in the case of the loved ones of somebody like Nanette, it's listeners. Full disclosure: I know what the first of these cases is about. Dad's not told me about the second one, but I have looked into the first one. So this is the Nanette Ellis 1984 case. Mm. Uh, and in this case, Dad, knowing the details of of the crime that was perpetrated, I would want to know. I might even go so far as to say I I would need to know and. I think if it got to the point 40 years later where I was really desperate, uh, then upping the upping the money would be something that I would maybe deem reasonable. Um, could you talk us through what actually happened? For such a terrible crime, there mm. is so little information available. It's just, yeah. it was a very, very small window of time. It was 45 minutes. So Nanette, her, at the time, 16-year-old son... Uh, was at a neighbor's house. Okay. He, as as happened many times in suburbs back in the back in the day. You know, when communities were you know were, were close. If you had a friend nearby, you'd often go to their house to watch TV. And Nanette worked for a local newspaper. Okay. She. They have a witness that says she drove her Toyota Corolla into the driveway at 5.15 mm-hmm. on that day. Okay. Son is neighbor's house watching telly. Within that 40 minutes, 45 minutes, somebody, person or persons, but mm-hmm. I have a feeling it's one person, would have knocked on the front door. The person was armed. She opens the door. I, this is how I see this particular crime unfolding. Sure. The person would have been wielding a knife. Uh, Intentions, one can't say at this juncture uh, what what the motives were. But then what transpired is that upon seeing the knife, she turned around and started running frantically Mm -hmm. towards the rear of the house. At some point, very, very close to the door being opened and her seeing this particular person, the person has, with the knife, which must have been incredibly sharp, has started to stab her. But most importantly, and most horrifically, uh, and what I'm about to say is, is distressing, and it's possibly something that I don't know whether we've ever touched on before. Yeah. Generally, people would scream. Um, 
and the screams would have been heard by neighbours, no doubt about it. But this particular uh, offender has taken the knife to the front of her throat and with such force cut through her throat and severed her windpipe, which meant that she was unable to scream. Now, one does not know whether that was done on purpose to actually stop her screaming, which to me sounds... I, I just... I don't... I can't imagine that. Is that a common... Uh, yeah, never, look... I don't know, Paul. I've never... It's, it, it, I've never heard it mentioned in that way. Yeah. Um, it's... And the blood would have been... Because you're talking carotid artery mm. on the balance of probabilities, yeah. which gives you... Um, I've actually seen... Um, I have seen a restricted video a few months ago of a particular person. It was a crime that happened in Australia. I'm not going to be specific as to the actual crime, but I mm-hmm. actually witnessed a person being cut in the carotid artery. What? And I, yes, and I actually witnessed the person bleed out and die. And it took about 20 seconds. Okay? So it's, it's gr- gruesome but fascinating insofar as it shows you if you... And th- this guy was just nicked, probably accidentally. Yes. Horrendous case. Um, so you don't have a lot of time. She gets to the back door and she then uh, falls and she dies. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So at 6 p.m., which is only 45 minutes since she'd driven into the driveway, it's an extraordinary, um, you know, small window 
her son comes home. Yeah. And he finds the mum. And the, you know, all the authorities are called. Um, the investigation uh, begins, but it is to this day a cold case. Cold case meaning the police just had little evidence to go on. Yeah. Um, you know, they would have done all the, all, all, all the right things. It's a serious crime. They would have, you know, dusted for prints. The DNA situation was not up and running, but they would have collected mm-hmm. a lot of evidence, knowing that in the future they um, they would have been able to rely and have all this stuff tested. So, Dad, I guess one thing that grabs me is the, the motive here. So... According to what I read, leading up to this terrible, terrible crime, uh, there were a bunch of things that were done to Nanette, or, you know, basically harassment. Mm. So um, she, there was vandalism. Uh, she had paint put on her car. Someone slashed her tires. Yep. Someone stole her number plates. She'd mm. basically been harangued. And then someone was throwing rocks at her car yeah. when she was going to and from work. Now, given that she worked at a newspaper... It doesn't seem unreasonable to me that maybe she wrote something about someone that... Ah, good no? point, Paul, but that was not her brief. She was in advertising. Oh, God, she okay. Was, well, def- um, So not an investigative reporter who'd kind of no. dug too deep or anything? No, no. And for the police, the great problem yeah. with what you've just mentioned mm. is that if it had have been those incidents unique to her, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the TV antenna or the, 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 the car antenna yeah. and the paint is problematic insofar as it seems to be directly, um, you know, aimed at her. Mm-hmm. But she was also having rocks thrown at the car. Yeah. Then through police, uh, you know, dogged sort of, you know, detective work, they determined that quite a few other cars in the suburb had had rocks thrown at them as, as well. Yeah, and I've been giving that some thought, and I was wondering. You know, had it been a really, really smart criminal yeah. to deflect, um, you know, what ultimately happened um, to her, Nanette, um, you know, was it a was it a red herring? Yeah, uh, I don't know, but I think the the t uh, you know the antenna and the paint seems, and and also the removal of her number plates. Yeah, that's. Yeah really bizarre mm. is it a coincidence um i don't know but look paul it's a cold case and um i find it uh absolutely i mean her her kids are in their mid to late 50s now yeah you know they get they you know they're getting up near retirement and they've just they've got this terrible burden they can never ever sort of close. It's just it's there. It it looms, and and I think it that's has, it. Has me hoping um, not just that the Samantha Murphy case pans out well and they actually find her alive and well, but that the family gets some closure because you know obviously, yeah. The the commonality here is a lack of closure in a crime perpetrated or the you know a case involving uh, a woman. Okay, so we've looked at Nanette. And uh, we've talked about Samantha, but you did mention that there was a second case involving a woman in Melbourne, I believe, uh, from this same 
period. Is that correct? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so the first case uh, of Nanette was in um, summer. Yeah. And six months later mm-hmm. in Collingwood, which I believe is fairly close to you. It is very close to me, yes. 45-year-old mother, Margaret Tapp, yep. and her nine-year-old daughter. So it's fairly late at night. They're in the house uh, together, yeah, sleeping in their own rooms. And what happens is there's a... She is a, a nurse at a local hospital. Mm-hmm. She's also studying law. Right. And, you know, she's bright. She's vivacious. She's, you know, she's got a, a wonderful reputation. And, you know, she loved... She dated a lot of people uh, as, 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 as came out in the in the facts of this case which some might think well what's that got to do well it is quite important uh, in a a good way and and also a bad way because in terms of suspects it sort of opens a pandora's box they're sleeping in separate rooms the next day a friend of hers um came around because he was going to take her to the opera and he knocks on the front door, but yeah. problematically in this case, and this is okay. this is what makes it very difficult for the police, she had a faulty lock on her back door. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that so many people knew about it. It was almost one of those things that, oh, yes, you know, it's a, it's a problem with the lock. And as a result of that, anyone that knew could just come in through the back door. Around about 11 p.m. the night before, residents heard um, a okay. dog barking and some of the neighbours' dogs, because, you know, the dogs hear things that we can't, started reacting in a sort of a, sort of a bizarre way. And then when yes. the, the friend of the family that was going to take um, Margaret to the opera... He comes around and then he, he, it's very quiet and he's supposed to be going out with her. So he goes around to the back, he opens up the back door and he walks into her room where she appears at first to be sleeping. Then he realizes that she's actually deceased. Mm -hmm. And then he said something that I find absolutely bizarre. And I'm quoting from the court transcript where he said, I hope that she'd committed suicide. That was his first reaction. And he hoped also, mm-hmm. prior to then checking on the daughter, who was nine, that she was not at home. She'd actually stayed yeah. with a friend. I just, just quickly, I will say that when mm. you deliver a statement in court, it's long after the fact. So who's to say that's what he actually thought in the moment, right? I mean, it could be... Alternatively, if you are familiar with the fact that women have terrible things happen to them in their homes, I guess, from a certain point of view, hoping that they'd at least done it to themselves and not had horrible shit done to them by someone else is like, you know what I mean? It's an odd thing to say, but it it does make a kind of sense from the traumatized brain's perspective. I don't know. That's just, maybe that's one way of looking at it. I'm not sure. Mm. Okay. So what did this person actually find? Okay. Well, he found that um, Margaret, so he finds her first, yeah. and she'd been strangled, and she was deceased. He, um, he he didn't. He just sort of he would have 
freaked out. And then he goes into the into the, the girl's bedroom mm-hmm. and he finds the daughter and uh, her name's Sian or yeah. Sienna. What happens is that... So they're both in their pyjamas, yeah. um, but uh, the nine-year-old daughter, um, she was also strangled, mm-hmm. um, but she'd been raped as well. And they discovered that she'd been raped prior to her being killed. So then one has to sort of imagine that evening as the police do, as you know, all the detectives, the forensics, and they're trying to sort of piece together. So they, Mm. there was no uh, forced entry at all. Yeah. The two women, uh, the mother and the daughter were both in bed. So no one has got up and on the balance of probabilities then gone to the door and let them in, which then makes one think that the person knew about the faulty lock at the back of the property. Mm-hmm. If you're going to commit an incredibly atrocious crime or double crime plus the sexual assault, mm-hmm. what you are more than likely going to do, and this is um, backed up by the police in terms of their investigations, is that on the balance of probabilities, the mother was strangled first. Because if you reverse that situation and think about someone going into the daughter's bedroom and committing such a foul deed, uh, it's unlikely that she would not have been heard by the mother. So you are then going to go back to... um, the theory of you murder the mother first, mm-hmm. then there can't be any, you know, interference from the mum. Yeah, yeah. You okay. then go into the daughter's bedroom. Once you've committed the sexual assault, you then strangle. Now, I've been thinking about, you know, you, they don't know whether it was one or more offenders, which is, mm-hmm. which is you know, problematic. And then, you, yeah. then we talk about the... Um, you know, they, they got a lot of DNA and they found yeah. semen on the on the young girl's clothing. Um, you know, during the post-mortem, they would have conducted all the uh, examinations. And there were many pieces of evidence left at the scene of the crime, including some mm-hmm. very, very unusual hairs that were that found on the, on the young girl. And one of them, they believe, yeah. was a hair that had been tinted, which is interesting. You know, does that mean a, a male person that has got longish hair but has mm-hmm. but has somehow dyed the hair? And then you start to go down the rabbit hole and think about just how premeditated was this? Right. And then, you know, they, they, they set aside the DNA and they actually a few years ago arrested a person and charged wow. him with the double murder and sexual assault. However, the police discovered that the DNA evidence had been tainted. There were problems with the testing and it created a major drama. And then very, very soon after the arrest of this particular offender, within two weeks, the, the Victorian police withdrew the, um, you know, all, all charges. which would have been incredibly traumatic for the family. But there were many, many other people involved. There was a a police officer that was, uh, for a while, a suspect, and he had been, you know, 
he was considerably older than um, Margaret, and he'd been sort of, you know, very keen on her. Mm-hmm. And she had been sort of very reluctant to, and found him very, very, you know, annoying and sort of almost creepy. But then, as it came out in evidence, one weekend, Margaret and her daughter went yeah. to a country property, mm-hmm. and the retired police officer actually took photographs of them. Um, I'm not quite sure what types of photographs they were, but that's to me intriguing. But then apparently, according to, you know, with DNA testing, he was, um, he was sort of dismissed. There was the, there was the ex-husband mm-hmm. of Margaret. He had a, an air, a watertight alibi, um, but then there were some very unusual people. There was there were people that came around and did her lawns, and one guy came around, and the neighbours were very concerned because he was. They've described him as acting very, very strangely. Uh-huh. But it turns out that his sister, there was sort of a family, they lived yeah. in a caravan nearby, and the boyfriend of the girl. Yeah. of the neighbour had was later charged with, with rape. So there were some really, really dodgy people, huh. um, but there were no fingerprints dusted. They did, they did find the normal prints, but they were all eliminated. So there were no right. sort of mysterious unknown fingerprints. Mm-hmm. There was a, uh, like a, an impression of a Dunlop volley shoe that was found in two locations it was found in the bathroom and it was found in sienna's bedroom the size of this particular shoe did not fit or belong to occupants of the house so that's a fairly good clue but Hmm. but it was never ever tied it tied to anyone and um Imagine the frustration of the police having been confronted with this most terrible, terrible crime and having basically no leads and to this day a cold case. Yeah. So it's incredible. And when I started looking into cold cases, Paul, wow, what a extraordinary number of cases. Yeah, I think we might, look, we may very well end up looking at mm. cold cases in this next season of ours, but we won't. We will not give you specifics just yet. No. Sorry, folks. No. Look, it is really... I My heart is just going out to Samantha's family. I really hope they find her. It's been fascinating to sit down, Dad, on... Actually, we recorded this on... We're recording this on a Sunday morning. Sitting here on a Sunday morning and just looking through some deeply tragic stuff. And I'm... God, I'm just... I'm, I'm hoping and praying that things work out for uh, Samantha and her family. Over in Ballarat... Dealing with these cases is a little harrowing, but it's interesting how you type in woman, uh, you know, missing Australian woman crime or any of those search strings and you come up with stuff like this. Mm. It's just countless cases like this. Look, we're going to be back later on this week for an episode of Loose Ends and hopefully we have some good news to report on the Samantha Murphy case. But either way, Dad, I think I need to lie down. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.